This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 205. And the quote of the day is from Gandhi, who said, An ounce of practice is worth more than a ton of preaching. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope you're having a good week so far. And this session is brought to you by my friends at Dream Symbols. And Dream has a great recycling program going on right now that if you bring an old broken symbol into a participating retailer, they will give you a dollar off for each inch of symbol that you bring in. And you bring in a 20-inch ride, guess what? You get 20 bucks off your next Dream Similar gong, which is really cool. Plus, they take those symbols and they melt them down and they make other symbols out of them like crotales and crop circles and things like that. So definitely worth checking out and definitely a way to save yourself some bread on some symbols that are already designed to be really high quality, but really inexpensive so that they're not going to break the bank. Check them out and learn more at dreamsymbols.com. Now... I get a lot of emails about practice routines, about how to practice, about things like that. So I want to talk about how some of the greatest drummers in the world practice because I've interviewed them. I've, you know, I've done over 200 of these episodes and in the podcast, we always talk about practice and we're not going to talk specifically about what to practice, but more importantly, how to practice. And I actually got an email today about or a message on Facebook about it, about why I don't ask specifically what people practice. And the reason why is because I want to make it as as applicable to every single person that's listening. So if I have, you know, Rick Murata on here and he's talking about he goes to the pad or, you know, he's working on paradiddles right now and he takes the paradiddles and he does this and he does this and he does this. You may say, okay, that's great. But how do I apply that to like working on three, two clave with my feet, right? So if I talk about, if I ask the, if I ask the, the guests how they practice and not specific things that they're practicing, I think that you guys get more out of it. And I think that you can use it in every aspect of your playing. So that's the reason why I always structure the question that way versus, uh, you know, particular things to work out because those to me are like exercises. They're not necessarily like practice routine, so to speak, or, uh, or, you know, how to practice. So, and I think that's way more important. So these are some of the ones that really stuck out of my head. Now, are there other practice routines out there and other ways to practice? Absolutely. 100%. I'm not saying that this is the way that you have to practice, but these are suggestions of, from some of the greatest drummers in the world that I've had on the podcast. And these are some that really stuck out. So I'm just going to go through them with you quickly. And then whatever ones you think that you want to try and implement, I suggest you do that. But one thing I don't suggest you do is try to do all of them because I think that it's just going to overwhelm. I know that it's just going to overwhelm you and you're going to sort of be lost. So maybe pick one of these for a month or two and see how it works for you. And if it doesn't work, then try something different. But, uh, but yeah, here they go. So the first one, and I'm just naming these by the name of the guest. So they're not particularly called anything, but so the first one is the Benny grab technique. So Benny grabs three things that are focuses on three main things that he wants to work on. And he works on them for three months, 90 days. And that's it. He doesn't work on anything else. So he may pick, you know, paradiddles. He may pick, 
he may pick paradiddles, clave with his feet, and singles around the kit. I don't know. I'm just making this up. And he'll only practice those three things. But one of the things that he does that I think is really cool is he videotapes himself in the beginning, and then he videotapes himself halfway through, and then he videotapes himself at the end. So he can watch it progress over over you know the three months because the one quote that he said in the interview that I thought was really cool he said if you show yourself progress then needing vot- motivation becomes non-existent you're not going to need to be motivated anymore because w- seeing yourself actually make the progress is what's going to motivate you so and you can listen to that in his interview he talks really in depth about the process and things like that and every single person i'm talking about here i'm going to link to their podcast in the show notes so you can check them out drummersresource.com forward slash session 205 so they'll all be in there so that's the benny greb technique pick three things work on for 90 days record yourself you know a couple weeks in maybe 45 days in and then on day 90 and then determine if you want to keep going with it or you want to work on something else, but only working on three things. So you're not biting off more than you can chew. So the next thing is what I call the Russ Miller technique. So Russ taught me this a while ago that the way that he structures his practice routine is sort of the, the, uh, the dessert early and, and, uh, you know, dessert before dinner kind of thing. So he practices, you, he suggests go in, play something that you really enjoy, then play that for, you know, 10, 15 minutes, then play something that's really, really hard for 10, 15 minutes and really, you know, work on this thing. And then if you have time, depending on how much time you have, maybe fool around for another five, 10 minutes, then go back into something really, really hard for an extended period of time, then something easy or, you know, something that you enjoy playing. But the the key is to bookend it in the beginning and the end with something that you really like to play and something that's not hard. So the reason behind it is if you get up in the morning and it's like, oh, man, I got to go practice or whatever, at night, you know, oh, man, I got to go practice. If all you can think about is going in and working on some ridiculously hard patterns that are going to hurt your brain, It's not too appealing. But if you start it with something fun, you're like, oh man, I'm just going to go in and jam. Then you're going to get in the mood and then you can get into practicing. And then when you leave, if that hard thing in the middle was super hard and had you really frustrated and you felt like throwing your kit through the wall, which we've all been there, you ended on a good note by playing for 10 or 15 minutes, playing a groove that you love, playing something that, that sort of feeds your ego and makes you feel good, but it puts you in a different mood. And then the next day... You're not dreading going back to practice because you're like, man, yesterday sucked because you ended on a good note. So always start it and end it on a good note. And then in between there, you can sort of mess around with playing stuff that's really hard, taking a break for a little bit, playing something that's really easy, open up your mind a little bit, then getting back in there. So that's the Russ Miller technique. The The next one isn't necessarily a technique, but it's more of a method that is really a productivity method, but I think that it's used in the practice room too. And uh, Mike Johnson and I talked about this a little bit. I'm going to get into Mike's practice routine in a minute, but he and I talked about this because I use this method called the Pomodoro method. I use it throughout my day, not just for practicing, but I use it for practicing too. So the, the Pomodoro method is an old Italian thing or that well they call it i don't know if it's an italian method but pomodoro is tomato in italian so it they say that it's a circle i don't know the 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 whole theory behind it of why it's called the pomodoro method it's something about the circle and the time going around in a circle or something like that but in essence here it is i'm rambling and i'm sorry it's basically you set a timer for 25 minutes 
and then you take a five minute break. So 25 minutes of practice, five minute break, 25 minutes of practice, five minute, five minute, 25 minutes of focused, diligent, really hard practice that you're struggling to go through five minute break back to something hard again, five minute break back to something hard again. And I use it in during the day, 25 minutes of focused work, no distractions, no nothing, no internet, you know, no phone calls, no texts or anything. Five minute break, get up, stretch, get a drink of water, get on the internet if I want to. And then another 25 minute, another 25 minute section. So that's called the Pomodoro method. Now, Mike Johnston uses a Pomodoro method inside of his practice routine, and his is called the four-stage practice technique. And the way that he breaks it down is stage one is non-creative. So doing something like single strokes or something like that around the kit that's not super creative, but you're paying attention to clarity, you're paying attention to how you're playing the notes, and you're playing that non-creative thing better than you've ever done it before. And then stage two is is creative. So what that means is you're actually building parameters inside of what you're playing. So you may say, okay, I'm going to play a 16th note groove, but I'm going to get creative with my bass drum, or I'm going to play, this is Mike's example, I'm going to play ghost notes on the snare, but I'm going to work on my accents inside of those ghost notes. And so that is, that is stage two, which is the creative stage three is the main focus. So that's learning something that you can't do, whether it be learning songs that you don't know, or learning material for a band or learning, you know, some sort of rudiment or pattern or something like that, something that you don't know. So you're actually, you're really challenging your comfort zone. And then stage four is the musical application. And that is learning, take literally taking songs that you don't know very well and learn learning how to play the things that you learn inside of these tunes and make it sound musical because, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to make music. That's what the goal is. So, uh, so this is Mike's four stage practice routine. So a lot of the examples that I'm using inside of what I'm telling you are from Mike. Uh, this is, this is his thing. He talked about it on the podcast, which I will break down or which I'll link to, I'm sorry, in the show notes, drummersresource.com forward slash session 205. Also, he just put out a four video series about it that you can check out on Minel's Facebook page, and I'll link to that as well. So I think it's a really good practice routine, and I, I've, I've sort of used something along these lines of of breaking things into boxes like that, but Mike's got a really good way of, of explaining it and breaking it down. So if you want to check that out and want to dig a little bit deeper on that, if you think that that's something that would work for you, the next is another thing that I used to use is sort of a consolidation method. So I would take a particular pattern that I was really trying to work on. So I might take like a Rata McHugh or I may take Swiss Army triplets or paradiddles or something like that. And I would set that as my parameter. That's, that's what I have to play. I'm not allowed to play anything else. And then I would either play along with a tune or I would try to play a melody or something like that, but never breaking out of that parameter. So it may be triplets, it may be a paradiddle, it may be a pattern, something like that, but not allowed to play outside of that. So if you're, you know, and it's harder than it sounds. Like if you take a tune and you're only allowed to play single strokes the whole entire time, but you still have to make music with it. So you still have to play a groove 
only using single strokes, natural sticking, right, left, right, left, right, just back and forth. So if you set those parameters while you're trying to learn something, you're getting musical application and you're also learning the pattern that you need to be learning. So for me, that's, that's always been a consolidation thing that I've done because for me, once I'm on a pad and I learn the pattern, I want to get it to the kit as fast as possible because I want to start making music with it, with patterns and things like that, because I don't want to just be able to, I don't want to just pull out a paradiddle at 220 on a song that it doesn't really fit or something like that. I'm always worried about musical application. So that's a good way of consolidating and getting it to the kit really, really quickly. Uh, so those are the, those are the really different types of practice routines that have stuck out to me with all of the people that I've interviewed. And the one thing I will say, a lot of you are listening to these and and they sound like there's a lot of there's a lot of diligence that goes into these and there is and if you don't have a practice routine right now i suggest that you don't pay attention to anything that i just said and you get yourself a calendar on the wall that has 30 days on it and you practice for 5 minutes a day every single day and put an x in that box when you're done and that's it i don't care what you practice i don't care how you practice I don't care, you know, I don't care if you're doing it on a desk, on a pad, on a drum set. It doesn't matter. Take that piece of paper and put an X in it every single day. After you've done that for 30 days consecutively and you haven't missed a day, do it for 20 minutes. Then after those two months, now you've built that habit, then you can start to get into one of these. Because if you're not practicing now, a lot of these, you know, can take you an hour to go through some of these practice routines. And if you're not practicing at all, there's no way you're going to be able to jump into a one hour routine. I'm not saying that to discourage you from practicing. I'm saying that to discourage you from, or to keep you from failing because you need to build that habit and you need to create that system before you just jump in head first. But if you're already practicing frequently, you know, if you're already practicing three, four five days a week, try out one of these routines. I'd love to hear how you made out with any of them. If, if some worked and if some haven't, email me, nick at drummersresource.com. I'd love to, to check them out. Again, I'll link to every single one of the podcast episodes where these practice routines are featured. So these aren't like these hidden things that I found. These are all in the interview, in the podcast that I just pulled out because I thought that they were really important for you guys to check out. I'll leave the link to Mike's videos and and all of that stuff all at drummersresource.com forward slash session 205. And if you dig the podcast, do me a favor, leave a rating or review on iTunes. That helps the podcast show up higher in the ratings, lets more people know about it. And if you've got drummer friends out there, musician friends, or just people who like to talk about drums and music and all that stuff, share the podcast. I would appreciate it. And, uh, you know, that's all I ask. I'll keep them free. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.